You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. Coming up next on Sexy Marriage Radio. So we kind of have this idea that men are the actors and they're also the ones capable of being evil. And right. the women are always good because they're so in, right. ineffectual. Right. And that's just not my experience. I think it's also obviously deeply dismissive of women. Yes. <laughs> okay. yes I see men is. and women as both equally capable um, and equally capable of good and equally capable of evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, they may enact who they are in the world in different ways. Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Corey Allen, alongside my wife, Pam. We explore the wisdom and skills of the world's smartest relationship minds. We have in-depth conversations with authors and counselors, psychologists and professors, doctors and specialists, and some shows with just Pam and me. Each episode explores topics every relationship faces and seeks to offer a framework and practical advice that you can use to build a deeper understanding of how your relationship works, and then helps you frame your conversations to propel life and marriage forward. If you're new to the show, or you're looking for the simple way to tell your friends about SMR, we highly suggest our episode starter packs. These are collections of our favorite episodes organized by topic and help new listeners get a taste of everything that we do here on the show. Go to smrnation.com forward slash starter or search for our show in the Spotify app. Got some feedback for us or something we've missed or we haven't covered or simply want us to address something specifically for you? Send us a message by calling the show at 214-702-9565 or email us at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio is a conversation with our friend, Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, and we discuss the world of obligation sex. Could it be beneficial for one or the other spouse or both? Is it part of every marriage or is it destructive for everyone? And on the extended version today, which is deeper, longer, and there are no ads, you would subscribe at smrnation.com forward slash smracademy, where there are actually an extended content today. Instead, everybody gets the free show today. If you like the show, you can also help us out by rating and reviewing SMR on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you listen. Your comments help spread the word about the show and help others frame their conversations about what happens behind closed doors. Enjoy the show. Well, I'm excited to welcome back to this show, Jennifer Finlayson Fife, um, a colleague, uh, Schnarchian, you know, just uh, therapist <laughs> extraordinaire that uh, is all over the place, um, and and has been. <laughs> if you've if you've been around Sexy Marriage Radio on the length of time, you should. She's not. She, you shouldn't be unfamiliar with with her because mm-hmm. you've been on here several times already, Jennifer. So it's great to welcome you back. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, we we see things pretty similarly. Um, part of this mm-hmm. is probably because of the training and and upbringing, yeah. both in religious upbringing that's this pretty mm-hmm. dogmatic and conservative with rules and rituals um, that yes. that supersede a lot of the spirituality, even. And one of the things I really wanted to get on with you is is to dive into this whole world of obligation sex, because this is something that's been a, a thread of Sexy Marriage Radio mm. for the 10 years it's been in existence, that, that I've, I've mm-hmm. always taken the stance of obligation sex or mercy sex is bad for both, um, ultimately. Mm-hmm. But I wanted, yes. I wanted to talk with you about, let's get into the nuances of it, because I think it's a blanket yeah. statement if we say it's bad and it's awful and never. But right. <laughs> it's also one we can't, right. I, I can't in good faith say, oh, but it absolutely should be done, you know? So 
uh, I'm, I'm wanting to know where do you stand on this? And then let's kind of talk into the different avenues that this takes us. If when you, when you see couples that come to you and this becomes kind of a thread, what, what flags go up for you or what questions come to mind? Well, well, just the idea of obligation, sex Mm -hmm. is problematic, which is different than saying, and we can come back to that. That's different than saying sometimes having sex when you know it's your spouse who is really wanting it right. and you're making a decision to come along or to to have sex or to accommodate what they want, right? So th- that's different than how I would think of obligation sex. Okay. Right. Right. And so I don't mean to say that both people must be aroused equally. I, no, and, I get and, you. And that's, <laughs> that's never going to happen. Right. And that's kind yeah. of the nuance. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the nuance of yeah. this thing. Because I think if a couple looks yeah. at the entirety of their sexual relationship, at least for components of marriage, there's an element of one partner, the higher desire, is leading the charge, more aroused, more engaged, and the other could make the decision. Sure. That's one of the phrases you've made before in the past mm-hmm. it's a decision mm-hmm. and it's a choice so therefore it's not so much absolutely i must it's just yeah i'll come along with this and maybe i catch up maybe it's just for you but there's nuances yeah. in there well and very important is it an act of self or not to step towards that or is there some other covert mm, issue happening between the couple that even framing it as obligatory is a signal okay. or expression of. So, you know, there's many dimensions of this, but men are often have higher testosterone. So they often feel that what they might experience as spontaneous desire more frequently than women do. Women mm-hmm. often feel psychological desire after their body becomes aroused. So that is to say, for women, it is not unusual for there to be a decision to step towards right. sexual behavior. Right. And the psychological, like where their body and mind are working together, happens further down the path. But I don't call that obligation sex. Okay. I mean, that's that's desire-based sex. <laughs> you may Absolutely. Desire to, desire to get there. Right. And I, so that's why you're going to allow yourself to touch and be touched. And I, yes. and I, love, the, mm-hmm. I love the concept of stepping towards Right. Yeah, it's that, yeah exactly. let's go check this out and see what comes of it, not a, oh, well, here you go, and I must. Right. Okay. So and, and so much of life and doing good in life is doing things ahead of feeling like it. You, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> That is to say, so much of parenting and yep. being fair and decent as a partner is doing the right thing, even when a lot of your body is saying, yell at them and shame them okay, or whatever it is. You <laughs> or, know. or kick them out of the house and it's time for you to move out already, right? <laughs> yeah. just You know, this morning I was driving home and I realized my husband hadn't done something and it bothered me that he hadn't done it. And so I had in my head, like, like I wanted to come in and like, you know, be like, John, how could you not have done that? And then I was thinking, that is so indecent. It's not helpful. You know, right. I, it's indulgent of me. And so I managed to not do what I felt like doing to do what was the more right thing to do. We have to do that in marriage. Now, that's different than saying you need to satisfy your man's needs. I'm not talking about that idea. 
Right. I'm just saying that so much in marriage is about working around your sort of initial impulses or lack thereof and creating and doing what is good for the partnership, good for the family. Mm -hmm. And so... Mm -hmm. So let's kind of let's land there, and I think for the sake of our conversation today, Jennifer, let's let's keep it in the concept, stereotypically speaking, of the wife being the lower desire. Okay? Just to mm -hmm. just for the mm -hmm. sake of sure. our dialogue, and just so the audience, mm -hmm. SMR Nation, understands, we're using this as a stereotype, just for the sake of our yeah. argument, just because it makes it easier yeah. to talk about concepts and characteristics. Yes, okay, that's right. And you uh, and I, for those that are interested, did a whole podcast on the woman as the higher desire partner, didn't we? Yes, we yeah. did. And we've done one on the woman as a lower yeah. desire partner. So if you go That's back right. in the okay, archives, right. they're both in there. Yeah. They're <laughs> so, both there. Yes. So <laughs> we have we have tried to address it from both. And there's nuances. I think you and I both agree. There's nuances if a woman uh, takes the status of a higher desire that's different than a man taking the status of a higher desire. Yes. Just, a lot of it's societal, but there's also well, some, that's right. some internal. But for the yes, sake of conversation right. today, um, the impact of this whole concept of it's not coming of a move towards self. It's coming out of a move towards obligation, role, ritual, um, mm -hmm. manipulation, earning, earning. Perfect. Uh -huh. So if we start with just the, mm -hmm. the wife on the lower desire scale, what's the impact mm -hmm. of that that you see that she needs to be aware of if she's hearing this dialogue we have today and goes, whoa, this is really close to home. <laughs> how, how do we know what, that, that, that they're playing the role that's not moving towards self, it's moving more towards obligation? Well, or, or maybe the way I would say it is to look at if you're having sex and resenting it, okay, why are you doing mm -hmm. it? And, and I don't okay. mean to say you shouldn't be having sex. I'm just saying, why are you saying yes and resenting? Perfect. And I think of resentment is often that you're making a decision while holding someone else responsible for your decision. Okay. So you're, you're, this is not just in sex, of course, this is often in life, that we are choosing things, but then holding others responsible for the fact that we chose it, or that they didn't give us what we wanted for having chosen it, or whatever. We have sometimes covert contracts that are a part of the choosing but if I'm saying yes, but resentful, why? Now, there's a lot of reasons why. Mm -hmm. One might be that, um, well, I'll take the, the easiest one, is you just need <laughs> to grow up and take more responsibility for your choice, right? So that is to say a lot of us like to just not really claim our choices mm -hmm. and be upset that we have to make them at all, right? Like you marry. Sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. so, and I so think, this I is think there's the, also, mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's also, because this is one of the things we've said before in the history of SMR, um, this idea of I don't want to make this choice because I want to hold someone else responsible because if it goes badly, I want to be able to blame somebody other than me. Yes. Okay. That's right. And we don't want the exposure of choosing. Okay. Choosing, deciding, desiring are exposing realities. And so, our natural kind of our early developmental selves wants the cover mm -hmm. of folding into someone else's desire or getting others to validate our desires. So to just claim and take ownership of who we are is developmentally, um, how to say a, a, a further step along. Right. And a lot of us resist that step. Right. So 
sometimes we just have to grow up and take more responsibility. I'm a grown adult. I can say yes or no. (laughs) I don't have to go forward and have sex. I mean, a lot of times it's tricky because we want two things. We want to be partnered. We want our spouse to bring their sexuality to us and us alone. We don't want to be insecure. We want to know that we're wanted, but we don't want the exposure of sex. And so it's easy to then resent that, how to say it, uh, contradictory position. Right. I want the validation of your desire, but I don't want a desire. Right. So sometimes it's just confronting that we're trying to negotiate the impossible. I want all of your loyalty and exposure and none of mine. <laughs> That's a, a, a sophisticated needle to try to thread, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I tried to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I've told this story sometimes before, but when I was dating John, I dated him for three years and he's older than me. And so he was clear that he wanted the partnership and that he was, you know, mm-hmm. he was unapologetic for wanting it. And I want, I like that, but I didn't want to desire back. I just wanted to be desired. Okay. And then I wanted to be more ambivalent and uncertain. Of course, that's cruel. I mean, I understand (laughs) why I wanted it. Right. (laughs) All the validation for me, all the control for me. Sure. But but it's not, it it erodes a partnership very quickly if you don't grow out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had to choose either out or in if I was going to be fair and have any self-respect. Right. Because that's, because that's well. the act of fair play. Because it was eroding play. that too. Right. There's the, that's yes, the act of fair play definitely. for both of you, not just you. Yes, right. exactly. And it was eroding my sense of self, actually. I, I felt bad about myself because I was so terrified to choose one way or the other. Uh, well, and what I was doing to avoid the choosing. So mm-hmm. there's that. Okay. The, then there's also that sometimes we, how to say it, we can choose because I'll go with the one that maybe most of us think of is I have to earn my value. He provides. Let's go with a kind of typical um, kind of uh, religious, conservative religious idea is he provides, he's the man of the house. I owe him for that provision. I owe him for that protection. And so my job is to make his life easier sexually and otherwise. Like one of the... People I was talking to and working on a book right now, and she was saying, well, I understood that my job was to make him comfortable in every way I could, and that included sexually. So even though I didn't like sex, I knew that was my marital, right. that's part of the marital contract. Right. Of course, this person just had more and more and more just aversion to sex because sure. it just felt she has no self there. Sure. It's like a way of earning, but you come to resent that quickly, you know, that you have to basically in such an intimate way, earn your value, earn your keep. But a lot of people feel like they need to do it. And and I have plenty of clients and people in my dissertation research who talked about their mothers saying to them on their wedding day or whatever, you know, make sure you never say no right. because otherwise he'll go to right. he'll get it elsewhere. Right. The man's got needs. Don't deny them, essentially. And that that's the message so, that drives mm-hmm. me the most crazy because oh, yeah. it, it, it treats both members of the relationship. It's, it's so degrading. It's horrible. Yes, and, and it makes men into basically untrustworthy... <laughs> 
you know, impulsive <laughs> children <laughs> that you're supposed to respect as authority, right. as having some somehow more strength than you. Right. So the paradox is you're taking care of them because they can't handle themselves. Right. And, you know, a truly desirable man is doesn't feel ashamed of his sexuality, but he handles his sexuality in right. Right. decent ways, right? right? And right. so, and so that's, you know, it gives the idea that men are not that. And so not only does it kill desire because now she's got to take care of him like a child, which she's doing, the, takes care of the kids during the day, takes care of the big kid at night, you know, yep. that kills desire. But also um, just the fundamental idea that men cannot handle themselves is yeah. also so degrading yeah. for men and women. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's that frame. Mm-hmm. And then there's the idea of, you know, women who will, or low desire people, who will have sex, but will withhold while they do it. So it's more of a, there's a punishment in it. Okay. So I will, you know, allow you in, but I will make sure you know that I don't desire right. you. So there's can be a hostility and a cruelty in it. I will not give you the satisfaction of feeling desired. So it's like a way of kind of torturing, okay, while right. being sexual. Right. And it's kind of deniable. Look, yeah. I don't have as much desire as you. Yeah, it like, can all be explained want? away. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I know how to make you feel small. And, you know, yeah. sometimes we are very loving to our partners, but we can also be very unloving. <laughs> To our partners, if we feel, you know, a lot of people I work with have a lot of competitiveness between them and a lot of, a lot of anger. And sometimes that anger is played out in the ways that most easily in deniable form. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, I, I think we, we, and there's reason for this, but I think we sometimes in our cultural narratives, larger culture, religious narratives, kind of have the idea that men are the actors in life and they're the bad ones. Women are innocent and just, you know, between children and men, they're innocent and kind and warm and good and impotent, you know, but that makes them kind of powerless. So we kind of have this idea that men are the actors and they're also the ones capable of being evil and women are always good because they're so ineffectual. Right. And that's just not my experience. I think it's also obviously deeply dismissive of women. (laughs) I see men and women as equally capable um, and equally capable of good and equally capable of evil. Mm -hmm. They may enact who they are in the world in different ways, but women are just as capable of wanting um, to create goodness in the world and love and also hostility and hurt <laughs> we just do it in work more conniving we're, we're better at it more conniving. we're better at hiding okay. it yeah <laughs> okay um i'm gonna just move right along there i don't you know you i'm glad you said that one uh because i was i wasn't thinking the word conniving but there is this element like you're describing of it it paints there's this this prototypical um mm-hmm. painting of men and women and mm-hmm. it, it turns into a hierarchy a lot of times. And mm-hmm. it seems like there's this element of we all are capable of immense cruelty. And it, but it's yeah. just how do we hide it? 
how are we blatant? Right. Because the male, the male side of it, it seems like that's part of the competitiveness. That's part of the dominating. That's yeah. part of, and so it's it's explained away that way. But right. women, women are equally capable of being as cruel. Right. It just comes that's out right. a different way. And that's I, right. I, I love and the men, framework. of course, can be very manipulative too. Totally. All that is true. Totally. But you know, just that kind of uh, you know, I have an adolescent daughter, and sometimes seeing how girls can do cruelty in these kind of more socially sophisticated ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't think it, it doesn't serve women well to pretend that men are the ones that right. are well, able to hurt and women are not. I, I really see men and women as yeah, truly no, equal. <laughs> no gender has cornered the market on the capabilities no, on of cruelty and goodness. That's Absolutely. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I switched to decaf coffee in order to cut down my caffeine intake. And while I love the taste of coffee in the morning, switching to decaf meant it took me a little longer to get going each morning. With school, band season for our youngest, and tax season around the corner again, I'm glad I found our new sponsor, Magic Mind. Magic Mind is an all-natural drink you can take alongside your coffee or tea in the mornings or by itself. Or drink it when you need a boost in the middle of the day without the caffeine crash. What I've already noticed after adding this to my morning routine is it makes me more productive. And I find I get into my focused work process quicker due to the nootropics inside that improve attention, focus, and cognition. What are nootropics, you ask? A nootropic is, to put it simply, a substance that can boost brain performance and enhance aspects of a person's memory and cognition while also facilitating enhanced learning. Seeing how well it's worked for me, I'd recommend trying it out. I've seen a difference, and I bet you will too. I have a 20% off code to share with the SMR Nation. It's SMR20. To use it, you can go to magicmind.co backslash SMR and enter the code SMR20 at checkout. The best part is that they have a money-back guarantee. If you get the subscription, it's 40% off. But our 40% off code only lasts 10 days. So hurry up. Well, fellas, summer's in full swing. The sun is shining. The heat is up and shirts are off. And all of our body regions need to be in shape and ready to go. Our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure that your manhood is neat and tidy or even silky smooth. Manscaped has their Performers 4.0 package to help keep the party in your pants looking crisp and refreshing all summer long, even into the dog days of summer. Dive headfirst into summer and join the 4 million men worldwide, including me, who trust Manscaped to keep the hot guy summer going and by going to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SMR. I've told you about the Performance 4.0 package before. It has everything you need to keep that summer bod. You find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is fantastic, no nicks or abrasions, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Well, now that you have the perfect trim, it's time to use Manscaped's liquid formulations to keep that freshness at even the hottest barbecues. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant helps stay cool in the heat. With the soothing aloe vera formula, it's the best in the business for below-the-waist freshness. And now, if you're wearing sandals and you have some of those nasty toenails during the summer months... We'll take a look at the Shears 2.0, a luxury nail grooming kit. It includes the stainless steel nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors. So now with this full package from the head to the toes, 
you're you're ready to shape up for the rest of summer today. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SMR at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code SMR at manscaped.com. This summer, take care of yourself from the head to your toes with Manscaped. Uh, I, I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about the impact on the higher desire on the husband with this, with this mm-hmm. concept. And then I want to sp- mm-hmm. land the conversation with the idea of what do we do? What's, what's some of the best yeah. ways? Because hopefully just, I, I believe you operate in, in, uh, in coaching and counseling with, with couples similar to me that um, the, the main heavy lifting that we do is helping people get a better view of what they're doing. Right. I've yeah. just, I've just kind of, Let's look at it through a different frame. Let's 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 look at it this way, and then it really starts to turn into once somebody sees it, it's not that we have the answers of here's what you should do now. Instead, it's just what does your character say you should do <laughs> based yeah. on mm-hmm. this discovery. So, um, kind of giving mm-hmm. away the what you should do in some regards, but I want to talk about if we're talking about this concept of seeking more of an obligatory, resentful, I must sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. As the higher desire with a man, what what's the impact on that? What's what what's fueling that? that I'm not sure if I quite followed your question, though. Can you can you give it to me? Sure, I'm trying to think of it as so. A lot of times, a woman might do this because um, it's 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 a it's an obligatory. It's her role. Uh, He's doing all Mm. of this, so therefore, I got to take care of the big kid at home and at night. Um, Mm -hmm. He's. I've, he's earned it. You know, there's all these different elements rather than it's freely chosen, consciously, mm-hmm. consciously mm-hmm. chosen. But I think men can come into the same kind of concept. My experience has been men, husbands come into this with a, well, I'm owed it. Um, it should be, I, I shouldn't hear no, I shouldn't really have to earn right. it. And so I think that kind of is a fuel of this obligation sex message of definitely you're seeking something you don't necessarily even want in the long run yeah a lot of men set up set it up to be obligatory as soon as you start talking about needs you're gonna get exactly what you're bargaining for (laughs) (laughs) which is you know if you start talking about it in terms of needs you have basically made it impossible for it to be about desire and so you may get you may get a, a wife who's willing to meet your needs but then to complain about not being desired, well, you've set up a meaning in which it's not, doesn't even make sense. Right. Because either this is just about your gratification. Right. Or it's about an act of intimacy and desire. And you can't, and I mean, I can understand when we are not getting the validation we want, sexually or otherwise, we can do things to pressure that validation. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel unappreciated and how can you not do this? And I do all these great things and you still don't desire me or whatever. And then if you get your spouse to agree, well, then you feel like, okay, great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? They're only doing it because I made it so painful to not do it. Right. That's the, that's and, the, that's mm-hmm. the catch 22 that I think a lot of times people don't recognize is that I use it in the concept yes. of, I want you to come with me on this trip with all of my friends and I know you don't really want to go, but I really want you to go. And then when you come and you're miserable and I'm mad because you're not having fun and you're mad because you mm-hmm. had to come. And it's like, it's, it's tearing the lowest common denominator because we fuel off yeah. of each other. And I easily can That's fall right. back on the, well, you didn't even want to come. I can hold that yeah, over yeah, your yeah. head forever. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And it's a different thing to say, I really want you to come. I would really like you to be there. Right. Then you should come. I do so much for you. And, and the fact Fair. that you won't come on this trip with me, meaning it, it, it's an act of intimacy in a sense to say, I would love for you to be there. Now, if well, the lower desire person comes on the trip, but resents her own choice using the same framing, right? right well, then that's not fair on her part. Well, but it doesn't but if go you're deeper using than the, obligation and pressure. Go ahead. Yeah, yes. doesn't it go deeper than this mm -hmm. too, though, Jennifer? Because I think there's this element over the course of a relationship that uh, I really want you to come is code for no, you're coming because if you don't, I'll give you enough grief that you right. didn't. So therefore, yeah. it's, I get that's kind of that deniability yeah. statement. Well, I gave you the yeah. option to not come, but I'm going to treat yeah, you exactly. incredibly poorly if you don't. Yeah, for sure. For sure. If okay. that's going on in the marriage, then it is code. It is. <laughs> I it's find not, that going I just on want a you to whole come. lot, actually. So. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But I'm also, you know, often trying to talk to higher desire people about a distinction between disclaiming desire. Because a lot of high desire people then try to just like suppress their desires right. or mask their desires or right. not talk about anything because they're afraid they are pressuring. And there is a distinction between pressuring as in you're going to pay if you don't say yes. Yep. Okay. Versus look, I'd love for you to come. Right. And it really is a true invitation. It's a true statement of self and you're really not going to make them pay if they say, I don't want to. Right. Right. That's harder. No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Cause that's, that's more what your mm -hmm. statement was of, that's yes. the invitation, and that's the I will yes. take the hit if you choose as your own autonomous being to do what yes. you want to do that's not in line with me. I'll take that hit, and I'll figure out how to make right. it okay and do I'll, what I can to, to not myself. take it out on you. Right. Yeah, to handle myself in the face of your actual agency, your right. ability to really right. make decisions. I mean, that's the hard part of relationships, isn't it, is that – somehow that's, that's ongoing. our spouses don't just exist to reinforce us even though they should anyway what, what are you talking yeah, about exactly i, I exactly. was not aware okay so if if you frame i love this idea too of of husbands or higher desires when you frame it as need you immediately take away the likelihood of desire so mm -hmm. well, yes. are there, are there other exactly. things? Or as Esther Perel says, as Esther Perel says, it can be about work or play, yes. but it can't be both. If it's need, it's about, you've got a job to do girl. Right. That that's, that's work. Okay. If you want to be about playfulness, it has to be about desire and choice. Now I know it's also true that when somebody has suppressed sexuality or is afraid to see herself or himself, you know, whoever's the lower desire person as a sexual being, mm -hmm. It can often put the higher desire person in a tough spot because they desire something that they're trying to figure out how do I handle this in a way that's fair when I have such limited control over the situation. Right. I can only control who I am in the situation. And there's really not, you know, sometimes people are like, okay, okay, but that's still, what do I do to get her to want it? I mean, that's what they kind of come down to is like, right. give me the tools, right? give me the secret code. Um, right. and, um, and unfortunately, that's our next episode we're recording, right? That's, yes, that's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Except you're going to be behind a paywall that one, you know, like how you get <laughs> totally the... behind. We could charge whatever we want, girl. <laughs> <laughs> right. If we indeed had that, that answer. Control. Yes, yeah. if we had it, it's the bummer. We need to come up with it, but uh, but you can't. Unfortunately, I mean, 
well, that's the thing. The thing that's so precious about being desired, truly, like not for reinforcement, but truly this person desires you, is that it's a grace. It's a gift. Yes. You can't, you don't make it happen. That is a, if it's truly, freely chosen, you know you are just in the deep benefit of someone who chooses to love you. Right. Now, you can control your desirability. Yep. You can control whether or not they're desiring you is a good choice, okay? But you can't control if someone desires you because that's an act of self and an act of strength and an act of courage mm-hmm. to take the risk of really letting someone matter. Mm-hmm. But so it is It is painful to so we we want that most precious reality of to truly be chosen freely, but because it's so hard to handle our disappointment and our fear in that place, we often go in and ruin it by putting pressure, punishing, you know, yep, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So so if we pivot this then to what what do we do when we start to recognize this as a dynamic? Because I don't think, just from what you've described and what I know of you and what the audience should know of me if they've listened any length of time, it's not like we've got this completely figured out. The worstness still shows mm-hmm. up and I'm punitive or vindictive mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, you, you had the statement with John of like, how could he have, okay, but you don't, you know, that's a grown up opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like yeah. we ever arrive at okay, now the scales are off my eyes. I see clearly I'm good. I, I'm, I'm home free mm-hmm. now, right? But recognizing mm-hmm. it as one, but what are some other things that couples need to do that can be best next steps to make sure they shore up their side of the equation, if you will, with this dynamic? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the hard things about life to ha- is – is that adage, that AA adage, which is, I always butcher it every time, but basically the ability to control what we can control and to let go of what we can't. Right. And to be wise enough to know the difference. Okay. Right. Simple idea, very hard to live by because <laughs> yes. yes, we all are so busy trying to control what we can't and we're completely <laughs> obtuse about controlling what we can. And it hurts to look at what we can control, which is who we are because that's often Mm -hmm. disillusioning and puncturing to do that. And we're so able to see the limitations of people around us. It's shifting that from the, we may well see our partner pretty clearly, but that's different than that's our job um, is to fix them, correct them and to pull it to ourselves. So when you say like, Oh gosh, I do that. I make my spouse pay for not wanting to have sex. I, you know, I don't tell my, I just tell myself I'm just hurt. Okay. I mean, we have lots of narratives. We tell ourselves, no, I'm not angry. I'm not punishing you. I'm just hurt. Okay. (laughs) Say that to me, (laughs) which is a way they tell themselves that they're just smarting over there because of the puncture rather than they're actually exuding a lot of hostility and um, cost to their lower desire spouse. Right. And so if you can actually see clearly what you're doing and what it would be like to be on the other side of you, why you might not desire you if you were your spouse, for example, or to do the lower desire position, like what it would be like to feel locked into a marriage with someone who does not want to deal with her or his sexuality, right? right? Very hard, right? very painful. And, you know, 
what do I want to do about who I am? Because it's in recognizing our impact that our development morally is able to happen. The next step to get to your question is once you see what you're doing, well, it's very simple, but hard Mm -hmm. is to not do it (laughs) anymore. (laughs) I love that. That's, that's right up there with the two doctors. Here we are, Jennifer, my shoulder hurts when I move move it this way. Well, don't move it that way. Don't move it. Exactly. That's why you have to pay the big bucks to talk to us, you know, because we're like, well, don't do it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. But as uh, silly as it sounds, it's also true. Absolutely. Right. Like I can't go in and, and shame my husband for not having done this thing. Like that's not helpful. It's not fair. I do lots of stupid things right? and I want to be a better person than that. So I'm not going to do that. Right. Okay. Now, th- first of all, I was able to talk about the thing, but do it in a nice way. Yeah. And I mean, like not even just nice, like fair and kind, meaning like, right. Hey, I recognize, I just saw that this didn't happen. And it was all good, right? So you can mm-hmm. think about if I'm not going to be the, the problem was not that that the issue didn't need to be addressed. It it did, and it was time sensitive. The issue sure. was could I be decent? Okay, well, that's not too much to ask. <laughs> could I be fair? Could I be <laughs> humble? Could I recognize right. that I do things like that a lot also, and right. that I don't? There's no. I'm not going to be that kind of person because I don't like that kind of person. I'm not going to be self righteous and. Mean. That's coming out of the one of the phrases I love from you is the idea of it's coming out of goodness from me and for us. Because yes, you're, you're talking exactly. about an impact of a dynamic, right? That something people do that we live in close proximity with impacts us. So it's not right. that I'm a doormat or I'm steamrolling no. it because I want it my way, which ultimately I think we do want it that way. But when we recognize, wait, a goodness in me would, would lead more towards I'm standing up for me and I'm still looking out for how and them in it. Yeah, exactly. Like I felt better about me for doing a decent thing. He feels mm-hmm. better about me. Okay. And the relationship is better. It's like, why, why would I do the other thing? All it does is give you a short self-righteous, a hit of self-righteousness for a moment. Mm-hmm. But then you have to live in all the, you know, the, all the um, negative reverberations. Right. So it's like stopping ourselves. Now, why it's hard to do that is because it feels good yes. to do self-righteous, mean, self-justifying things. Yep. It's what we know. It's habitual. Yep. And to not do it creates more anxiety up front because your mind hasn't mastered another way. And right. when our brains are in development, that stretching towards something you don't yet know is uncomfortable and somewhat aversive. Mm-hmm. And so our minds resist it. Yeah. Excuse and that's, that's one of those and, things because yeah. it's that, that whole uncharted waters. It's that whole, I have exactly. no idea where this will lead. Um, you know, there's yes. just, there, there's, t- it, it freaks us out because it's like, yes. I need, give me the map, give me the steps. One, two, that's three, right. four, five. When instead I can give you step one. I don't know what step right. two is until you take step one. That's right. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, okay, I see what I'm doing wrong. What does right look like? And I don't mind trying to give people a picture of what right could look like. But it's not, it's more about facing what's wrong and allowing your mind to be in the uncertainty that it right. actually develops into a more 
capacious mind, a, a mind more capable right. of doing what's good and fair. I w- was reading Robert Keegan recently. He's a developmental psychologist who talks about ego development. And mm-hmm. he w- was talking about some research of even looking at kids that are in the pre-operational stage, moving into the operational stage, right? So this is, or concrete operations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was saying, they would give a question that could only be answered in the concrete operation stage to pre-operational kids. The kids that were pre-operational would just answer from a, from a pre-operational stance that made no sense. Right. Okay. Right. I, it, the, the kids that were in between though, you'd ask the question and he was saying that they would get noticeably upset Okay, because oh, their brain yeah. couldn't quite put it together and they knew the the other was the wrong answer. Right. Right, it didn't. And so they were in that uncertainty of their minds trying to get their head around a more sophisticated way of thinking. That's fascinating. And yes. And I'm, and so, and I'm curious, as, just I'm curious, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Um, Cause I want to sure. jump, I want to jump to just a, a quick detour on this. Um, I'm curious cause I'm dealing with aging parents and mm-hmm. as faculties kind of go down mentally, I've got a mom that's got early stage dementia or at least mild mm-hmm. dementia right now. Yeah. And COVID mm-hmm. has really hit the seniors in my world on yeah. forgetfulness uh, affect yeah. everything, and what I'm seeing is some of that panic when they don't know what's being talked about or an answer. Oh or, yeah. and I'm wondering if that's kind of similar of like they're recognizing something's off, but they're and it, and it creates this panic because I don't know, I don't know what to do. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I used to know, and I don't. It's kind of like almost the reverse. Yeah, of this. That's kind of the reverse, and it may be a little different. Um, my father also had dementia before he died, and he was. A, at least at times self-aware enough to know that he could not do what he used to be able to do. And it was quite painful for him and, and frightening to feel the increasing dependency, to feel the kind of loss of self literally as his body was becoming less able to support the mind he had known. So that's a little different because it's more about recognizing a deterioration or gotcha. um, okay. a loss of self. The the t- part I'm talking about is more when your brain is trying to wire up at a higher level. Okay. You have to tolerate this comfort for growth to, to be able to phrase. to be able to get that. Yes. Yeah, like learning anything, you have to be subjected to your incompetency to build competency. And that is an uncomfortable process. But one of the best things you can do is not do the old thing. Like my daughter's a musician. (laughs) I sometimes use her as a, as a, as a example of this, which is like, no, you need to change your hand position. And, and then it messes everything up. Everything she could do from the more limited hand position. Now she can't do from the new position, the way she rebuilds competency at a higher level of skill is to not go back to the old hand position because then she's keeping in place the old system. Right. And that's what our minds like to do when we dismiss disconfirming data of our worldview. You know, many of us don't listen to the wrong news station, as in the one that doesn't confirm our worldview. Uh, we listen <laughs> right. to the news station that confirms our worldview. Right. Okay. Very tempting. We all like it, but it's very, makes us stupid. Okay. Because it keeps us just in this more limited frame. We can't account for as much reality. Right. It's the echo the chamber. The more we subject. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. The more we subject ourselves to the disconfirming, the uncom- more uncomfortable it is, but it also allows our brain to accommodate more truth as opposed to assimilate everything into the mind we're already in, the limited mind. Okay. That's good. That, I, I love, I want to point out that phrase. I, you always are good at turning phrases, by the way. I'll, I'll give you commending <laughs> on that. But your, your statement of we have to be subjected to incompetency to achieve competency. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that's such a great depth of a, of a phrase on just mm-hmm. what that means. Because yeah. I think that's the beauty and the power of, of the whole theory Schnarch put together. And, you know, it's built mm-hmm. off is just that idea of, I'm subjecting myself to something for the betterment of yes. me and those I care about. That's right. Right. Yes. And yes. And that's so much what human beings are. That's how amazing we are is that we can literally grow and change and develop more capacity if we will go through the discomfort of it. Right. Well, mm-hmm. we have to do that uh, physically. As kids, mm-hmm. when we grow, I mean, I still vividly remember college year, freshman, laying mm-hmm. in bed at night with my legs aching because of growth pains because I didn't grow. I grew mm-hmm. six inches my freshman year. So wow, it was painful, <laughs> but I was yeah. pleased because I didn't want to be 5'5 five five any longer. Right? Sure, sure. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted yeah. to hit up over six foot. And so come yeah. on. Yeah, let's, it's about let's time. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it, but it was a way to frame it to where it meant something then. And I think that's the that's beauty right. of if we can look at just our dynamic, like this whole thing we're talking about. If you can start to see the discomfort, as it's a meaningful process. Yeah, that's right. That helps a lot. Then, yes, then that changes that changes our fortitude, if you will. On, That's right. On, or that courageous people go through that disorganization, not weak people. Right. Strong people. Right. So the meaning we give to it helps tremendously. That's good. All right. Well, Jennifer, this has been fun. How uh, tell tell the members of the nation how they can find you and when what you're up to. Sure. Sure. So you can find me at my website, which is my last name, finlayson-fife.com. And there's lots of, I have online courses there about self-development and sexual development. And what I mean by self-development is developing, how to develop a more robust sense of self and how to develop as a sexual being. High desire people have as much anxiety about sex in my experience as low desire people, but they don't know it. (laughs) Right. Often they do. Okay. Um, and then I also have some marriage courses there as well. So a strengthening your relationship course and also enhancing sexual intimacy. But then I'm also doing um, something called Room for Two, which is a couples coaching podcast where I'm working with real couples who are bringing their marital issues often about sex and desire and working with those couples for other people to listen in. And um, I've been doing that almost a year now. So it's, it's been great. And I've gotten a lot of good feedback about it because it gives people a chance to see themselves in the other marriages because we all right. are human and doing very human things. Um, but you get to get my feedback and to see yourself, you know, not sitting on that couch and getting the direct feedback, which can often be hard. Instead, you can kind of let someone else right. be humiliated <laughs> while you <laughs> while you watch. You're like, what a loser! I can't believe he said that. And then you're Golly, like, but deep okay. down, you're like, oh, I would have said the same thing. Yeah, if I was, oh, yeah man. exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. 
Jennifer, it is always a pleasure to catch up with you uh, and and yeah. talk and talk through some of these things because it's uh, ultimately I think everybody benefits. Um, yeah, with, with the work that you do, so I appreciate it so much. Thank you, thanks so much. Anytime we get a chance to talk to Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife or JFF, as she's known around here, mm-hmm. um, there's lots of things that jump out from I love, those conversations. Yeah, I love listening to her. I love uh, the point of need versus desire. Yeah. Right. Oh, he needs it. And that totally squashes desire. Right. If, if because it's I've need, got a job to perform yep. rather than being passionate about this desire that may be there. Yeah. The Esther Perel statement of mm. it can be work or it can be play. It can't be both. Exactly. But also the mom on the wedding day saying, well, don't ever say no because he needs it. Right. And that kind of dumbs him down, number one. But... um Sets everything up for all kinds of disaster all and struggle. All kinds of disaster. Mm-hmm. So need versus desire. Yeah. May, may, probably my favorite takeaway. I loved, I loved her statement of when it's a conscious choice that is leading towards a desire too. Yes. That it's a, it's a, a self-selfness and mm-hmm. selfhood and goodness. Mm-hmm. That's part of the dynamic. Mm-hmm. And that's such a good thing because I think it helps give couples hope that have been caught in the need world. Right. To see it as, wait, but I can still choose this. And then I don't hold resentment towards my choice. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to check out more of Dr. Jennifer, as she's been on um, SMR in the past, uh, episode 437 is the Lower Desire Wife, which to date is still the most downloaded and popular episode mm-hmm. we've got. Uh, episode 463, Sex for Emotional Attachment, and When the Husband is Lower Desire, which is fantastic because mm-hmm. we flipped the script. And then I highly recommend Jennifer's Room for Two podcast. You get to hear inside what goes on inside coaching rooms. You can pull so much from that. She's working with couples. They have real issues. And you get insight into what goes on. Worth it. Right. So many people have similar things that are going on. You can definitely get a great insight for yourself. Transcripts are available in the show notes on each of our episodes pages. All our advertisers' deals and discount codes are also on each of the show's episode pages at smrnation.com. Please consider supporting those who help support the show. The greatest compliment you can give us is to share the show with those you care about. Remember, we improve those around us when we improve ourselves. So take on yourself first by applying what you hear each week on our show. Thanks for listening. and We'll see you next time.